Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. It's 4 o'clock. Welcome to Montana's only statewide sports talk show. Broadcast on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Western Montana and across the state on SWX Television. I like football! Now, the 2017 Radio Sports Broadcaster of the Year on the show with back-to-back Montana Broadcaster Association Awards for sports coverage and award-winning sports journalism. Here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanes. Hello, Montana. What is relevance in college football? The Open Championship, less than a day away. And a couple of transfers and recruits and all the things that go into college football heading into fall camp. It is to tell new one is on 1029 ESPN radio outstanding to be with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Hope you are having a fantastic day. Great to have you on board with us. ESPN radio, SWX Montana television, the YouTube channel. Go check all of those things out. We are broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris studios. Kurtz Polaris is celebrating their 30th birthday. That's right. July 30 years. They've been in business. And so all month they are offering you 30% off. That's right. 30% off MSRP on select parts and accessories with the purchase of any new Polaris off-road vehicle, Husqvarna or Beta dirt bike, or any Crest pontoon boat. Some restrictions apply. See Kurtz for details. Get to Kurtz Polaris in Missoula and Sealy all month for Kurtz 30-year anniversary sale. You want to call us? Do so. 329-1899. Area code 406. 
Very proud of that one. 329-1899. All guests join us via the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. If you'd like to listen and the radio's not the best way, the internet is. We got you there to the stream. 1029ESPN.com is brought to us by Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. In the show today, a conversation that we just barely opened the door of yesterday. And sometimes, you know, you get into a cave and you think you're searching out the big cavern and there's a little pass through and you realize, oh, there's a much bigger cavern over here, but you don't have time for it. Well, that we're going to get into the big cavern today. What is irrelevance in college football or conversely, what is relevance in college football and what that could mean for sort of fleshing out what the landscape of college football should look like in general in both our opinions. I think Coulter and I have some overlapping thoughts on this and some disagreement, which means it's going to be a great conversation here off the top. It is a Wednesday. Wing it Wednesday, boys and girls. That's right. So we got some trivia questions for you. I'm going to do some Montana and Montana State football stuff, some actually really Big Sky Conference football preseason uh, stuff. And Coulter, in uh, light of the Open Championship tomorrow, has uh, got himself some Open Championship golf questions for you in the second hour so make sure you call in for those wings to the desperado sports tavern on the line there we will discuss a little bit not a lot but a little bit about the open championship some numbers obviously you know if you're not talking about odds on favorites you know what do you know what are you doing and uh, a new transfer uh, jc transfer on the offensive line for the university of montana uh, this to me is uh, a big big get for the grizzlies at a obviously a, a position of need and uh, i want to talk about the significance of this and a few other things Things, the East-West Shrine game coming up and so forth. So some football around the state of Montana as well. So there you go. There is our show outlook. Coulter, outstanding to see you. I'm not going to waste any time uh, because I think we got a lot to say uh, here in this first segment. We do have a lot to say. you got to remind people, though, remember we yeah. are broadcasting remotely from Katie O'Keefe's tomorrow, live from Katie O'Keefe's. So come check it out. Come hang out with us, 4 to 6. Normal time, just a different venue. Yeah, you're absolutely right. we got to tell the people because we'll be down there uh, doing the show. So come hang out, see us. Uh, Widmer Hefeweizen uh, is uh, sponsoring us to be down there, and we're going to be every Thursday, with the exception we're going to go to the Desperado once this summer as well, on a Wednesday. Right, because, because of Wing Why Wednesday. wouldn't you? Maybe we'll do live trivia there. Uh, we will the, indeed. Uh, we the might, you might even be able to get your Winget card and have your wings. Bang. During the show. Right there. Just cash it in on the spot. Uh, but any anyway, but also, uh, if you haven't been down to Katie O'Keefe's yet, get in there and put your name in the box for a pair of tickets. We're going to be drawing a pair of tickets uh, to the Grizzly-Oregon football game. You want to go to Autzen Stadium in Eugene, September 14th. Our first pair of tickets given away tomorrow from Katie O'Keefe's. So definitely be down there 4 to 6. And we'll uh, make sure to remind you of that throughout the show today. Uh Colton, we were talking about a bunch of things yesterday and, and, and got into, well, what always happens? You know, we just keep on rocking and rolling. You know, this is what happened. Normally, our conversations start at the four-minute length and end up being four hours in length into the wee hours. And so uh, we talked about uh, uh, the, the – you, you said, you've said this before, something along the lines of, you know, if, if you're irrelevant if you can't win a national championship and lots of teams can't win a national championship, something along those lines. But you, particularly in the FBS, right, where the mid-majors have no chance, as it is right now, and we're in agreement on this, there is zero chance you can win a national championship. You are precluded from the possibility of even having, even having an opportunity in the quote-unquote playoff to win a national championship if you are a mid-major football team no matter what happens we've seen undefeated football teams UCF have been multi-year undefeated football teams and 
teams that have won even, you know, big six, New Year's six bowl games, Sugar Bowl, et cetera, not getting uh, any sort of look at a national championship and what that says to you about the state of, of college football, particularly as it comes to relevant and irrelevant, and also with our conversation with Sam Herter uh, regarding uh, 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 the um, – uh, uh, like Mississippi Valley State and, you know, the most downtrodden school and so forth and so on in all of college football, potentially at the Division One level. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to kind of hash this out because I do think that there is... I think in the FCS, where you can have split scholarships and where guys that maybe are a little bit more talented than the level that they're going to play at can make such a big impact... I don't think that there is anybody in the FCS that is facing true irrelevancy because you're only a couple players away. And also because I just look at the FBS and it's so much about money. That's not to say that FCS isn't driven by money as well, but you can buy success on a much higher level and make no mistake about it. The top 50 programs in the country do buy success at a much higher level. Whereas, take a team like the University of San Diego, for example. They do not have football scholarships. They compete in the Pioneer League. Mm-hmm. They've won playoff games. Each of uh, They've won, won several playoff games in the last couple right. years. Right. They have beaten Big Sky Conference teams. The funding difference between Cal Poly and San Diego in terms of the football is substantial. Now, San Diego's a private school that's an absolutely elite academic institution that can offer, they, they run it like a D3 program in the fact mm-hmm. that you're getting academic scholarships to play football. So it's not as if these guys are completely out to dry. It's not as if they have this crazy dearth of talent. San Diego's really good. They have been good. They're a top 20 program right now in the FCS probably. But the disparity in, in money is vast, yet the disparity in results isn't quite as vast. There's not this sense of impossibility. Whereas when you look at the FBS, I think you take the, the 60 teams that are in the Power Five. Yeah, Those teams are just have a significantly higher advantage in terms of chasing a national title. But then you maybe you look at a, a, a conference like the American Athletic Conference. UCF's the obviously low-hanging fruit, the easiest example. But there's a lot of teams in the AAC. Yes, Cincinnati. That are not... They're not absolutely irrelevant. Memphis. They have they have you know a sliver of a percent of a chance to win a national title. Oh, I mean, do do they? I, I'm just saying it's not absolutely impossible. If Houston was to get the number one quarterback in Texas and run the table and play a non-conference where they beat Texas A&M and TCU in Texas, and then went undefeated in the AAC, maybe, 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 right, maybe, right. maybe they I get mean, in. They were ranked. They were like a preseason top 10 team in Herman's, either Herman's last year or actually Herman's first year in Texas when they had Ed Oliver and all of that, you know, so. Right. I, I get your, you're right. But, but, but what I'm, then to, to complete this point though, a school like Western Kentucky or Old Dominion or Middle Tennessee State or Florida International, North Texas, I mean, how do you even gauge what relevance is if you are them? Because you're playing in a different division of football even though you're not. If you're playing in the, the Conference USA, you're not chasing a national title. You're not chasing a playoff. But there's no scenario where it could play out where you're going to 
get to the level of being able to be on par with Penn State and Ohio State and Michigan and Alabama. Well, okay. Now let me ask you this: as a, just a just a, a theory, okay? Take SMU. SMU before they got the death penalty was a national championship contending sort of school. Now, in a very but, but, different context at that time. Than uh, what and also, now. this was when they were in the Southwestern Conference, which was the pre- preceded the SEC. So, they were, I mean, they were in. Colter, some people like the Clark Fork. Some people like the Flat Hood, the Bitterroot. My favorite river has always been Blackfoot. We finally agree on something. Me too. I love Thibodeau Falls. I love Rainbow's End. I love the Blackfoot River. You know, if a company was smart, they'd just name themselves Blackfoot. By God, look at the geniuses over here at Blackfoot. They've gone and they've done it, and now guess what? They're working around the clock and around the state to lay hundreds of miles of fiber optic cables to increase hugely the the efficiency and the speed of communication across the state of Montana. It's pretty likely you already know Blackfoot as a local partner for internet, voice, professional services. Anything you need to fuel your growing business. But like you said, they're building hundreds and hundreds of miles of cable across Montana. And right now, they're expanding their fiber network into Bozeman, St. Ignatius, and other regions. Find out more about what Blackfoot does. Give them a call, 866-541-5000, or go to goblackfoot.com. That's goblackfoot.com. You can click on the link here on the Podbean site, or if you're listening in elsewhere, just copy the URL. Drop it in there, goblackfoot.com. Arguably the power conference in, in all of college football, which is different than being in the AAC or the Conference USA or the MAC. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let me ask you this. Okay, let's take Tulsa. Okay, Tulsa. Tulsa ever going to have a shot to win a national championship? No. Seems like not, right? However, along the lines of your theory, I mean, Oklahoma is obviously a very big college football state. Yep. And who knows when you have an alumnus? You know, why can Oklahoma State compete? Well, because they have one guy that's got it. And there's no reason that individual schools can't have a scenario in which all of a sudden the right person makes it in that sort of big-time way and decides, you know what we're going to do? We're going to be good at football now. And all of a sudden that happens. But here's, I think, more to your point. The landscape as it's built right now is built to prevent these teams, is built to exclude these teams from a national championship type of conversation. It just yep. is. Right. Now, my big take on um, this. And more than just that, uh, uh, they're excluded from almost any of the notable bowls, too. Notable bowls, you're right. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's already built to say one of you, out of you 60, each year, one can go to a quote-unquote notable bowl, right? And I think there's a few more notable bowls outside of the Big Six that people will well, watch no, there is, like but, that that but, they go to. But, but you're not you're not fast tracking to the Cotton Bowl. That's right. If you're San Diego State, sure, you're, you're playing in the Poinsettia Bowl, in the New Mexico Bowl, or 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 a BCS Bowl. Yeah, I mean, you, you might if you, if it all went right for you on the Mountain West, Boise State, you're playing the festival. Right, but, but again, only one of those schools is right. basically allowed in. I mean, that's actually a rule on the books that one, you know, can play in a, in one of the, you know, big six bowls, New Year's six bowls, whatever. Uh, now, I think that this is a flaw, and, I, you know, we've, you've heard it from me ad nauseum over the years in, in what is this, quote, 14 playoff, which is, um, you know, 
because it's less bad than the BCS doesn't mean that it's good. And it is, you know, a four-team playoff, which I hesitate to use the word as you know, is, is better than just having the computer generate two teams and say these are your one and two teams and they're going to play each other. That doesn't do anything for me. The four-team thing does uh, uh, a little for more, more for me, but very little more. If it was an eight-team or as it should be to me, at least a 12-team playoff, you would have a much greater possibility of getting in. And getting in, to me, is the ticket to say you have a chance to win the whole thing. And I, I as agree, it is right now, you can't get in. You can't. You can't. But what I'm saying is that even if you could, make it a 16-team playoff. Make it a 24-team playoff. Texas San Antonio is playing irrelevant FBS football because they have no chance to ever get there. They're so that they could not raise enough money to be on par with a Power Five school ever. So this is where this is where we have to flush out our definitions. You know, this is what I'm about. Us philosophy guys, we want to know what do you mean when you say this. You you are assigning. You're making synonymous the notion of of relevancy with the possibility of winning a national championship. But I'm saying that the absolute best-case scenario for Texas-San Antonio is still irrelevant. No, it isn't. The best-case scenario for Texas-San Antonio is like a 10-win season. And like the Las Vegas Bowl. Yes. Which is irrelevant to me. It's irrelevant to you. It's not irrelevant to a whole bunch of people. Like who? Like all the people that would follow Texas-San Antonio. Like, <laughs> do they have anybody that follows them? Of course they do. San Antonio's like yes, the sixth biggest city in the nation. Uh, t- I, what's the, well, I want to know. I'll keep, keep, carry on because I want to know what their following is. Let me, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. If you went to, I don't know, Tuscaloosa, okay, and you said, you know what? I'm from Missoula, Montana. I'm from Bozeman, Montana. We got the best FCS football teams in the country. We got the most people in the in nation coming to these football games in Bozeman and in Missoula. And we've won this many national championships. And you know what they would go? It's irrelevant. It's FCS football. It does not matter. That's what they would say to them. I, I, li- I like that we're going down this road, though, because what Commissioner of the Big Sky Conference, Tom Wister, show, what he so- said the first of his three appearances on this show, first time he's ever on this show, he said, if the state is in the name, it's important. I think that is a huge difference because, sure, FCS football might seem irrelevant to Big Ten fans, but you have way more invested and entrenched fan bases when you have state schools that have widespread alumni bases and you're representing for places that have traditional brands that have lasted for so long because they are the state school. Like, Texas San Antonio has only had football since 1994. It doesn't matter. They don't have the tradition. They don't have a rivalry that goes back 118 years. Of course not. How could they? But that's but that, that's not their fault. No, I, mean, I agree. Just, but They just got here, and so come back to me in 50 years, and maybe Texas San Antonio is one of the stalwarts of college football. But my point— I did, that's, that's what I want to get at, because I don't think that that could happen. I don't think it could happen. I, I think that the Blue Bloods are the Blue Bloods. I do not expect with the – there's a few exceptions. The, and the, the few exceptions are the city schools, Cincinnati, Houston, Memphis, the schools that are in huge population areas. If you can – I mean, it's just like um, – it's like 
when you land when you're at Georgia State and you're Ron Hunter and you land Demarcus Simons because he's from Atlanta and he wants to stay there. You you can get guys from the city that you're in, and you can rebuild it like that. I mean, people forget Miami. The Miami Hurricanes were irrelevant in the '70s. Miami is a private school. It's not. It's not what the U became. That whole I mean, Coral Gables is completely different than what the Miami Hurricanes in their Desert Storm uniforms, stomping people out and being, you know, the scariest college football team of all time. It's completely different than what Miami is. But Howard Schoenberger then into Jimmy Johnson and Dennis Erickson locked up Liberty City. They said, we're going to recruit Miami. That's it. And we get the best dudes in Miami, and we're going to be the best team in the country. And that's what happened. Let me let me try this one for you. It's 2 tell new one. It's 102.9 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. University of Alabama, Birmingham. Yes. Lost football. Shut it down. Shut it down. Didn't have, didn't have the revenue. Not filling the stadium. People not going to games, not playing good football by and large. And it was gone for, I think, two years. And, and, and it came back a year ago. Now, you, it, it would be easy on your standards here to call University of Alabama Birmingham football irrelevant. Are they ever going to win a national championship? Are they ever going to go to a bowl that quote-unquote matters? Are they ever going to do anything? I mean, maybe. Maybe they might. But basically, no. I mean, they would be a, they would be a, a, an analog to University of Texas El Paso, right? Yes. But what happened when they shut down the football program? All, all, all seventeen of their fans freaked out. That's right, all seventeen. And guess what? It was enough to override a university decision to generate money because there were thousands and thousands of kids that went to the school, of people in the community, of people who were fans, and of former football players that said, no, 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 we care about this school. We care about this football program. And maybe none of you do, and maybe even our own administration doesn't recognize its importance to us as alums, to us as students, to us as former players, but we care about this school, and we're going to find a way to bring it back, to resurrect it. And that's exactly what they did. That is relevance. It's relevance to Birmingham, Alabama, and to that school and to those kids, and whether or not they are going to go toe-to-toe ever with Georgia, which they will not, isn't, isn't, isn't the way, in my opinion, to think about this. Take the University of Idaho. Yes. Was there ever a scenario where no, Idaho was going to be was going to be never. competitive on the FBS level? Never. And I think that there's dozens of schools in the FBS right now that are like that. Let me ask you this: Idaho went to uh, the the Idaho the the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, right? Yep, they did. Which they won. They won. Beat Colorado State. Good win. Probably the best win in the history of their program. Actually, I should. Idaho was good in the '80s, but 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 it. It's it, it might I mean maybe it's not but it's it's in the conversation as the best win in the history of their program while they were playing this crazy Sun Belt conference schedule in a place that they were never going to be good and and such a weird out I mean it's still the weirdest outliers yeah. ever to have Idaho yeah. in the FBS and in the Sun Belt and yet there they were and they won this game and nobody quote nobody cares about the famous Idaho Potato Bowl but there they were and they did it and you know what it's a source of pride for Idaho and it should be seems to me so here this is this is to contrast my argument but also to complement it all at the same time all right. What is 
if Idaho was to win the FCS national championship sometime in the in the future, okay, what provides more pride and fortification for your football program? Winning the famous Idaho Potato Bowl in your home state against Colorado State, only the third bowl game you ever went to as an FBS member, or winning a national championship? I think winning a national championship. Absolutely. And why, and why too? Idaho is also a great example because they're going through it right now because just because the transition was going to inevitably be a tough one. I, I don't really know how you get your players to say, yeah, when, you, when you're when you Caden Ellis, for example, and you're like, well, I was a, a unanimous first-team All-League Sunbelt guy on a nine-win team that won a bowl game, and now I'm playing in the big sky. Why do I care? Mm-hmm. Of course you're going to take a step back, and that's what they experienced a year ago. But I think in 10 years, there'll be way more buzz about Idaho in our region than there ever was in the FBS. No doubt. And I think that's what I'm trying to say, is that Texas San Antonio or North Texas or Toledo or Tulsa, if they were to drop down, they would be more relevant to me. Because you could compete on a higher level. And those schools I just named are probably not great examples because they're not in FCS regions. They're not in FCS states. Right. But if you're in the if you're in the Rocky Mountain West, if you're out west, I just think you're in a better situation to be in the big sky than you are to be in almost any league. Save the Mountain West. And that's that's another one I want to talk about because I think the Mountain West is such an interesting conference. Mm, I agree. Because I think the Mountain West is completely different than everything that I'm talking about. Conference USA and the MAC are they're just the have-nots of the heavily populated areas of this country. Whereas, like, the Mountain West has charter premier schools that are state schools, and that's, I think, mm-hmm. where it makes so much of a difference. Like, I don't think what, Wyoming has just as little of a chance as North Texas to win the national championship, but I don't think what Wyoming is doing is nearly as irrelevant because they're a state school. They have, they have real pride, real fans. I, I, I just think that... Here's, here's the, the reason that, that what you say is true, and I'm going to give you this point to, a, to an extent, is that why do Montana Montana State matter so much in Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, etc.? Because there isn't a higher level. It is, it is the top in that place, and also because there's just not that many people. You know? And so the, 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 everybody tends to uh, migrate to some of those things. But if you take University of Texas El Paso to say, I mean, there's more people in San Antonio than there's you know, all three of those states combined. Right. And so to to imagine that there wouldn't be a fan base for U, for, for UTEP or whatever. UTEP, yeah. Uh, or excuse me, I was thinking, UT, I said, UTSA. I said, I UTSA. said it, uh, 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 El Paso. I meant San Antonio. Right. I apologize. But for you, for University of Texas San Antonio, because they're such a recent program, and you go, oh, I never saw that humble before. I didn't even know there was a school there, whatever. Okay, and they certainly don't have the history and the roots and the alumni to have all that. But they certainly have the numbers, and over time, that can generate. Now, will it ever be to them what Wyoming is to people in Wyoming and what Montana, Montana State are to people in Montana? Probably not, because you know what else they have? Dallas and the Houston Texans and the and the University of Texas and all of these things that are bigger fish in the same sport. So you don't get that, but it can still be 
a huge city phenomenon, and that would be a big deal. That would be a big deal in San Antonio, Texas. Think of Appalachian State. Mm -hmm. Appalachian State won three straight national titles before their national title streak was ended in Missoula 2009, one Mm -hmm. of the great games in the history of Washington Grizzly Stadium. Indeed. But at that moment, they were riding high. Armani Edwards was a name in college football as an FCS player. People knew who Armani Edwards was, period. They won't go in the big house. They get the, one of the great wins in the history of FCS football to beat Michigan in the big house. And now they're good in the Sun Belt. They are, uh, they've been a 9 or 10 win team yeah. the last two years. Right. But where are they at? They're playing on Tuesdays, and it, it, I don't know. I, I, where would you gauge if it's been a good move for them or not? Because yeah, there, there is the element of big fish in a small pond, small fish in a big pond. And, you know, you want to say that you want to be the best, but then I look at some of the teams like in Conference USA. There's some teams in Conference USA that to me it seems as if they have football so that they can play money games to subsidize their athletic athletic department so they can be competitive in other sports. Like Charlotte, Mm. for example. Mm. Charlotte has been good in basketball. They have a good, I mean, that's a really fertile recruiting ground in that neck of the woods. And they have had no substantial accomplishments in football ever. But they, they can make money off of football. Because that's the other thing is, I mean, Idaho, that's what I want to know what they're going to do. How are they going to allot their budget? How's the budget going to look different? Because when they were an FBS independent, they were making a couple million dollars a year. Right. I mean, they, the one year when they played Ole Miss and Florida State in the same year, that's like a $2 million payday. You're paying for all your non-revenue sports. Mm-hmm. You're paying for all your Olympic sports, all your Title IX sports, everything with those paychecks. So it's an interesting balancing of the budget, too. Uh, I just think that if you're in a position where it just seems as if you're stuck and the reason that you're stuck is because all the people ahead of you simply have resources that you will never attain, that's just a really weird spot to be in. And what I'm saying as far as the FCS goes is that there's gigantic resource disparities in the FCS. Mm Mm-hmm. Montana and Montana State have way more resources than most schools in the FCS. They're not winning the national championship every year. In fact, neither Montana school has won a national championship in almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. So it's not a direct correlation. Whereas in, uh, at the top level, I- I'm so interested to see because there's been times in our lives. But, I mean, when you look at who has won the national championship over the last 20 years, it's definitely the resource-heavy teams. I mean... North Dakota State isn't lacking for resources. No, it's true. It's true, but like Eastern Washington doesn't have any resources, and they won a national championship. Mm. They have they have, it, they have entrenched advantages, yeah. but they're not resource advantages. Okay, that's fair. And that's what I'm saying is that in our lifetimes, we've seen times mm-hmm. when Texas, Alabama, Penn State have been bad. We have not, however seen any of the true blue blood power schools be bad since the advent of all these gigantic TV networks, the Big Ten network, the SEC network. Since that happened, we have not seen the premier, premier, premier programs be absolutely god-awful bad. What about Tennessee? But have they been... Have they ever had a two and nine? I mean, they're they're good for a five and seven, but I don't know if they have ever gone like two and nine or one and ten. I mean, maybe so, but I mean... You know, if you're Tennessee and you're a four or five win team, that's that's awful. That's really bad. And 
we have seen Kentucky and even Vanderbilt jump up and be, you know, a win, have a winning record in conference. And that, you know, is something that is so, so those things are there, even though, you know, Vanderbilt is a baseball school, if it's anything, and Kentucky's obviously a basketball school. And they're doing that in the SEC. So Tennessee's had at least five wins every year since 1964. Okay. Except for Butch Jones's last year when they went 4-8 and eight and they were 0-8 in the FCC, SEC. I mean, that's, yeah. That's why uh, you get fired. That's why you you have, if you have one of the 10 best biggest budgets in the country and you go oh and eight that's brutal i know we could do this but i want to go back to the app state thing because that's a really good question because they were such a a a great fcs school and they have that great win but here's the thing if you do something miraculous on a given day like that's gonna just live on and they did that against michigan and that's and that's phenomenal but if you went now i don't where is app state what what's what city is it? boone north carolina boone yep you go to boone north carolina on a saturday you know what that is Awesome. Like, they, they are showing out for App State in the Sun Belt. It's one of the great atmospheres in mid-major college football in the country. Yep. So if you went there and you said, well, is this relevant? You would absolutely say, this is relevant. Is it better than what it was at the FCS is maybe a good question. It's, I think the stadium is, they got 40,000 people there. For sure. They would never have that if they were still in the FCS. That's what I wrote about the the tr- tradition and prestige of North Dakota State last year before the national championship game. That's a great example as well because North Dakota State, when they went from Division Two to Division One, they had so much tradition and success to rest upon. I mean, they had won the North Central Conference like twenty-five times. So when you have all these banners, you can you have this fortified foundation. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying. These new programs in Texas specifically are the ones that are, they just, I just don't know where they fit in. They just live in purgatory. Yes. Because how are you ever going to catch up to the, your neighbors? You, you can't. How are you going to catch Texas A&M? How? You can't. I, I, I totally agree. And so that's where it gets weird because you don't have the entrenched tradition. Whereas if mm-hmm. Idaho was to ever get back rolling... Their fans would come back in full force, and it would be spectacular for the league because they were they were good at one point. It's like it's yeah. like uh, it's like uh, what's it? Jack Bishop. He was the athletic director of Central Washington when I was living in Ellensburg. It's like he used to always say his famous line was, "People always think it's about winning. It's not actually about winning. It's about having the hope that you can win, mm. and that exists from having won before." Look at Montana State. Montana State has won a ton and then haven't won the last couple of years. But their fans have the hope that they could win again. It's the same thing with the Grizz. I mean, the Grizz have missed the playoffs three years in a row. But everybody that's a Grizz fan still maintains hope that it's not an if, it's a win. Montana is expectation. back. Expectation, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, I have, you have a 10-win expectation at Montana no matter what. Montana yeah. could have 10 straight losing seasons and people would still be like, what's well, 10-win expectation? For sure. Playoffs, home game, every year because of how much tradition exists. It's the same thing with App State. It's the same thing with Georgia Southern. On the flip side, Florida International's got nothing. They have nothing. So how do they ever build it? And that's what I'm talking about with the relevance. You cannot ever actually have, I mean, in, until you do. But I, I just I don't know how you do it in this day and age because of the resources that are available to everybody that you're chasing. It's 2 telling Iwanis, 102.9 ESPN Radio.
SWX Montana Television. It's a good conversation. I think it's worth having, especially this time of year. And uh, and we're we're in an interesting spot because new football teams continue to just sort of sprout up around the country from time to time, often with the backing of great money. But one thing you can't create is great tradition, and and just make people care about you. And uh, and that is uh, a significant. I mean, that's why college football is what it, college, there's more passion running through you know, one conference of college football than there is in the entire NFL. And the reason is because of the identity that people have with the school that they went to, with the guys, you know, these were my peers, these were my classmates that I watched play on Saturdays, not just my heroes in the NFL or whatever it was. And uh, and you just can't recreate that without, without time. And then, you know, I guess that's why schools care about having college football a lot of times. Look at Eastern Washington. Look at how much Eastern Washington's won in the last 10 years. They've won so much in the last 10 years, including the last title by a Big Sky team, one of only two titles by somebody not named North Dakota State this decade. The, in, the increase in interest for Eastern Washington football has been very marginal. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about this, not, not to completely derail this thing, but I was thinking about... DeHonta Hayes and Keith Moore, two projected starters for Eastern Washington. They were shot in Spokane the night before the Big Sky kickoff started. And thankfully, they're okay. There's not really any details about the situation. But regardless, I was thinking about just the last year at Eastern Washington. Gage Goober, your All-American quarterback, and Kirk Calhoun, your captain linebacker, get arrested downtown Spokane, lip off to the cops, you know, disorderly conduct, say a bunch of embarrassing stuff. Not good. Suspended. Okay. Not a huge deal, but not good publicity. Yeah, Keenan Williams or All Big Sky DN, he drives his truck drunk into the side of someone's house. Yeah. And then the guy comes out and then he whips the guy. He beats the guy up. And then you have this incident, which again, I, there's no, I don't, I'm not trying to pin culpability on these kids. It sounds like it was just a completely random act, but it's still just a not good situation to, to be in. But imagine if those, just those three things would have happened at either of the Montana schools, mm-hmm. what the climate would be like, mm-hmm. how, how much fever they would be talking about that. And Eastern has remained, for lack of a better word, so irrelevant in that part of the world that it's, it's just not even really talked about. It's almost as if it's expected. What about Washington State? I mean, Washington State's sitting there in the Pac-12 and every, you know, they got to, you know, they'd have coverage. But I mean, Mike Leach is being sued right now. Yeah. I didn't even know that that was ha- now. I mean, I'm not covering Washington State. I'm su- I'm sure people in Pullman and you know maybe the Pac-12 or are, are, are aware. Of this. But Washington State itself, anything on the Palouse is happening in relative anonymity, and it just doesn't even matter what scale you're on. The only thing people know about is Gonzaga, and only that you know is coming about March 16th. Washington State occupies a completely unique place yeah. in in the Power yes, Five to me. Too. Yes, they do. Just because of so many different facts. We got to get out. We got to go. We got to go. Hey, it's a Wing It Wednesday. Got some, speaking of football, football questions for you about the Big Sky Conference and uh, some preseason stuff. We'll help you through it. You got a lifeline. Give us a call. 329-1899. 329-1899. We'll do some trivia questions with you and get you some wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern right after this. Hey, been telling you about RecCon. It's this Friday. And Saturday at the Fort Missoula Park, 
outdoor recreation and conservation. That's what they're doing at RecCon. You see what they're doing? Rec recreation, con conservation. It's where they meet. Dozens of exhibitors from gear manufacturers to outdoor nonprofits going to be there. Learning labs throughout the day uh, for people to learn more about products and initiatives from a number of various groups. Tons of cool off-road vehicles. It's fun for the whole family. They're going to have beer from Big Sky Brewing. Uh, food trucks out there so you can eat. It's from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. both days. You go online to recconmontana.com, R-E-C-C-O-N, montana.com. You can check that out. 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Friday and Saturday at the Fort Missoula Recon. It's where outdoor and rec- outdoor recreation and conservation meet. Recconmontana.com. Go enjoy. It's going to be two great days. You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula Hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite, water slides. That's right. they got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call. Very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not. Wingate Wednesday, give us a call. 329-1899. Basket of Wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern for you. 329-1899. 329-1899. You can call right now. We are broadcasting live from the Chris Polaris Studios. Chris Polaris has been in business 30 years this month. That's right, 30 years. And they are celebrating by offering 30% off. That's right, 30% off MSRP on select parts and accessories with the purchase of any new Polaris off-road vehicle. Plus Varna and Beta dirt bike or any Crest pontoon boat. Some restrictions apply. See Kurtz for details. Get to Kurtz Polaris in Missoula and Sealy all month for Kurtz 30-year anniversary Sale, you want to find us on Twitter at Gus Tutel. That's me at 1029 ESPN and at Skyline Sports MT as well. Uh, Coulter, the uh, uh, Open Championship is coming up starting tomorrow. And uh, I'm not going to go through the odds. We'll do this here in just a little bit. But you sent me a, a video of Brooks Kapka, which I had tweeted out uh, as well. It's about 12 seconds. And it's like a response. Did you see this whole thing with Tiger Woods? Texting Brooks Kapka to go play a practice round. No. So can you imagine what that would be like? Well, not it's not that big a deal because Brooks never texted him back. I'm not surprised by that at all. No, and that was I'm the, not sure that Brooks Kapka likes anybody or anything. The 12 seconds besides curls. Well, you know, and ripping it, <laughs> striping it down the middle, three fifty. Uh. Tiger Woods was laughing because he, and he first of all, he gave it up to Brooks, and how could you not? He's, you know, the last four majors, he's been unbelievable, and this, that, and the other. And says, you know, so I texted him to see if he wanted to go, you know, play a practice round, and he's not gotten back to me. And then Tiger just started laughing, and so did everybody else. 
you know, all the all the press people. How do you not text back Tiger Woods? Well, because you're Brooks Kapka. And then he was asked about it, and he goes, well, here's the thing. I don't really practice. And he says, and you can see this on on, uh, on Twitter. He says, if you, he's like, if you're watching me on TV, that's when I golf. That's it. Which is, actually, I, and to, I think he said, I don't practice for regular tournaments. Or for you know tournaments during the week. If you see me golfing, that's when I golf. I'm not out there preparing to go golf. Such an interesting phenomenon too, because you can play too much, right? You can play your way out of just going out there and hitting the golf ball. Well, I mean that was that was what happened to Tiger Woods during the lull is a wrong word because he was so out of he was so out of control. Good, but there was that moment in time where he, he won something like. I think six out of nine majors. It was when he had the Tiger Slam. It wasn't the actual, the complete year, but yeah. he won four straight majors. Yeah. And then I think he won three in the next, like, six. And, I mean, he, he was he was unbelievable. He had, like, a 75% chance of winning majors at that moment in time. But as he continued to try to push the envelope, he, he bulked up a little bit, put on a lot of strength, and then got a new swing coach. And, it made, and then he started playing just relentlessly. 12 hours a day. And it's not as if it ruined his game, but it knocked him down from that absolutely untouchable level. Mm-hmm. Just one notch. Yeah. Because he's playing too much. Oh, we yeah. saw it with David Duvall, too. He did the same thing. And then he and he was gone. It was, it was after it was over for him, it was over. He was just out. He was just Rolls irrelevant. Over one, never heard from him again. Uh, yeah. And so I don't know. You know, I don't know if there's a shelf life. I mean, of course, there is a shelf life. I don't know how long it is for Brooks Kapka, if it's going to be really long or if it's not going to be. But... He has certainly, you know, just gone out there and, you know, sauntered around the golf course. The one thing about this, so by the way, well, okay, let's do this. Let's let's hold on to this because I want to talk about this a little more. We're already up against the break because we went long in the first one. So 329-1899, if you want to do a winning Wednesday, we'll keep on with the Open Championship after this. Coulter, you and I both know being healthy is a very, very important part of life. Am I right about that? Indeed, guess it is. Well, one of the things that makes me healthy, think you as well, fiber. Gotta have it. You sure do, man. You need to eat your fruits and your veggies, your bananas. You gotta get all that stuff in. Maybe even some bran. Plums. All of it. Fiber is very important. Well, guess what? Turns out it's important to communication as well. You might be surprised to learn that Blackfoot and its partners have invested millions of dollars, truly, in building a fiber optic network throughout Montana, through Bozeman and around Gallatin County. More than 30 miles of fiber optic cable have been laid by Blackfoot. That's amazing. Impressive, innovative, and a perfect place with the way Bozeman's been growing. Click on the link below, goblackfoot.com slash ESPN. They're not trying to sell you anything. They don't want you to do anything. They just want you to know what they're up to, and how they're improving communication across the state of Montana. So go to goblackfoot.com backslash ESPN now. Where are you at with Grimes? You indoor? I don't think I know enough to be indoor. I'm indoor. It's Tutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. 
We're broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Sealy. July is Kurtz Polaris' 30th birthday. That's right, 30 years. And they are uh, celebrating this month by offering you 30% off MSRP on select parts and accessories with the purchase of any new Polaris off-road vehicle, Husqvarna and Beta dirt bike, or any Crest pontoon boat. Some restrictions apply. See Kurtz for details. Get to Kurtz Polaris in Missoula and Sealy all month long for Kurtz 30-year anniversary sale. Coulter, we were talking about the uh, U.S. Open, or excuse me, the Open Championship. And the one thing that I was going to say, you know, when it comes to Brooks Kapka is... Uh, you know, the uh, the game, one of these is not like the others, you know, that you had to play as a kid. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the majors, that's the Open Championship. It's, you could just mark it. There's going to be 36 hours, between 36 and 72 hours of, of, of horrific golf conditions. It's going to be blowing, and it's going to be wet, and it's going to be ugly. And, uh, and it's just a fact when you're out there on the British Isle trying to swing away. There's no trees anywhere. It's hard to tell where the fairway ends and where the green begins. It's all brown. There are bunkers everywhere. There's long grass and hay everywhere. It's generally, uh, I would think, not that really fun of an experience. Uh, and yet, so this is the game. This is the, This is you know. This is what it is to be uh, uh, golfing in what used to be the British Open, now the Open Championship. Um, the thing to me is that it requires a vastly different skill set. Uh, there are some people who have been really great sort of at, at in traditional American courses that have struggled mightily and vice versa when it comes to the Open Championship. Your chipping has to be absolutely superlative. Your distance control, those are the things that really matter. Uh, and... Also, and this is the one thing that I don't like about the Open Championship as much, it takes, a, it, there's an element of luck. Because very much, I, I've seen, I've seen entire tee times wiped off the board because you got the, the morning crew on the Thursday had nice weather and then the, 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 the storm set in in the afternoon and you got blown to smithereens and the storm was still blowing in the morning when you went back out and then kind of subsided. And so the, the, you know, the group on Thursday that went early and then late on Friday had a seven stroke advantage on average. And, you know, a bunch of guys that would have made the cut, maybe should have made the cut didn't and so forth. And again, it, it's not unfair. It is just the weather. There's no fairness about it, but it, it is so drastic and impactful that you have to get sort of fortunate to to go there and play well. Um, and so that's the one thing where I go, you know, okay. And that's why I, I find this one to be sort of the hardest to prognosticate because it is such a different style of golf and and usually the weather is so impactful and who knows if it's going to be, if your number's going to come up and all of a sudden Brooks Kapka, who's minus the wind, eight strokes better than everybody else, doesn't even make the cut. You know, you understand what I'm saying. We, we look at, <clears throat> I mean, there's been some, some transcendent guys that have been able to be great across the board, no matter where, no matter what the major is. You, know, you look at a guy like Tiger Woods, he's, what you're referencing, a lot, of, a lot of times guys with games like Tiger, that doesn't necessarily project to the British, to the Open Championship, because so often being able to hit it far and being able to you know pound it and get on in two on par fives and stuff like that, it's not that conducive to the Open because the wind's blowing, because of the way that, you know, like you're talking about, just some of the weather disadvantages that 
are there. And but then I also but the you know guys like Tiger and Jack have been able to overcome that. But often you know, the most dominant open open championship players have been the guys that play more link style golf, that play way more finesse style of golf. You look at Tom Watson. Tom Watson is probably the greatest modern era open championship mm-hmm. player. He's, he won the open five times in the span of maybe 10 years. Right. And you just could, in late 70s, early 80s, you could just pencil Tom Watson in. You just knew. I mean, Tom Watson almost won the freaking Even thing. Even when he was 60. Like 65 yes. years old. Yes. I mean, he was in the mix a couple of years ago. <laughs> yes. And uh, yes. I think that's why you see guys like, like Patrick Harrington. Has he ever won an, uh, a major so, besides the open? Right. I mean, he went back to back in the open. And right. I, he, I don't know if he's actually won another major. I mean, look at Watson. Right. Watson finished with eight majors, but five of them were the Open. And he only, I think he won the Masters twice, the U.S. Open once, never won the PGA. Mm-hmm. But you know, then you look at guys like Yosemite Ballesteros. That was where he made so much of his money. You know, Nick Valdo was always trying to k- keep up with some of the big dogs. And then when he would get to the Open, he would have a much better chance b- just because of his familiarity and the style of, of game that he plays. Right, Francisco Molinari last year. I mean, I don't, I don't know if Francisco Molinari could... could Go toe to toe with all the rest of the big dogs like Justin Johnson and and Ricky Fowler and Jordan Spieth and Roy McIlroy and Brooks Kepka at the Masters or at the U.S. Open. He can beat them. Well, he had at a, the Open. He had a look at the Open cha- or the U.S. Open as it was. But you're right. I mean, he'd see you know a, a lot of times. I mean, not not really a surprise. But European players tend to finish better in at the Open Championship than than. They do in the rest, you know, the rest of the time. If you're wondering, if you're playing along at home, entertainment purposes only. Uh, Rory McIlroy is the odds-on favorite, according to uh, our friends in Nevada. He is nine to one right now. His odds. Uh, he is in second by himself. Is Brooks Kapka at eleven to one? And after that, I mean, the odds drop significantly. Dustin Johnson and John Rahm are both sixteen to one. Tiger is alone at twenty to one in fifth, which I find. I mean, again, it's such an out. It, you can never assess this stuff in terms of what's actually going to happen when it comes to Tiger based on these numbers because they have to put him in a place because he's going to get, he's going to draw change from the public, man. He's, they're going to go in, they're going to put it on Tiger. Uh, and so, you know, there's several other guys. Fowler's at 25 to 1. Molinari, the defending champion, at 30 to 1. Jordan Spieth down the way at 40 to 1. And he is. His struggles have been well documented and is changing his swing and so forth and so on. But he's a guy who, if he's got it going, I mean, his short game is what makes him go. And you got to have it at the Open Championship. And he's been, I mean, he's won it and he's been great at it before. Uh, so he's a guy that I think has the potential. I, I, don't, I don't know if there's a lot of in-between for Jordan Spieth. I think it's a missed cut or a top 10 type of deal for Jordan Spieth. Uh, and so, you know, we'll see how that goes. I'll tell you the one guy I wouldn't want to be wouldn't want to be uh is uh uh matt wallace who's matt wallace great question he's an english uh, englishman and uh i don't know how good a golfer he is he might not be good he might be you know great i don't know i mean he's obviously pretty good he's played in the open championship you know who he's paired with tomorrow coulter who's that tiger tiger woods and patrick reed no thank you no thank you I would not like to be the third wheel of that triune headed off for 18. Uh, I think on consecutive days, you stay with the same group both days, I believe. Uh, so that's 36 holes in two days that I, I'm going to just hard pass for me on that. 
Uh, anyway, one one, one interesting uh, stat about this open is it's it's at Royal Portrush, which is the only the second time it's ever been mm. at Royal Portrush. I mean, we there's the which is rare because usually it's all about the legacy and the history and 400 years this has been a golf course. Right. I mean, so you know, Prestwick has hosted the Open Championship 24 times. St. Andrews has hosted it 29 times. Right. The Carnoustie, where it was last year, has hosted it eight times. Muirfield has hosted it 16 times. And those are all Scottish courses. And then, you know, the English courses like Royal St. George, Royal Liverpool, you know, they've hosted a dozen times each. But Royal Portrush, only the second time, first time since 1951, it's also uh, of the last 147 recognized Open Championships. 96 of them have been in Co- Scotland. 50 of them have been in England. This will be only the second ever in Ireland. Wow. And the first one ever was here. At- the first one ever was at Royal Portwash in 1951. So this has been uh, a lifetime or more for a lot of people in this. But I think that's also interesting that Rory's the favorite, sure. given that he's Irish. He is Irish, and uh, it's, uh, you know, it's right there on the coast. Gosh, that would be, imagine how f- much fun it would be to be Rory McIlroy if you won the Open Championship in Ireland. That uh, that might be the mic drop. <laughs> I'm good. I'm just going to stay out. right here. Out. Taking the next year off, I'm going to go to all the pubs. Oh, I mean, maybe Sing, not. dance, drink. My, that's just, you know, I'm good. It's done. You know, he won the Irish Championship, the Irish Open. And he was very, you know, emotional about it and 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 not not emotional like he was as excited and enthusiastic and as happy about winning that as any tournament I've ever seen him win. Uh and and you know, it, it means something when you do it at home. There's no doubt about it. And we know this, it's not far from his hometown because it's on Ireland. Which is not big. I mean, what do we, t- you know, usually on a global scale, the islands are bigger than what you think they are because you're looking at them on a war- world map. But Ireland, come on. Let's do this, Colton. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. Okay. okay. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. Top of the hour. Trivia question. You and me both. What's your best guess uh, uh, north to south? The, 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 you know, the longest points in Ireland. What do you think? You want me to guess right yeah, now? Guess, guess. 75 miles. See, I'm going to go, I'm going to go a hundred. I'm going to go a buck 27, the one twenty-seven on it. Uh, there's a guess. We'll see who's right next. Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz Athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. 
Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus. 